listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by my uh, most most often normal co-host, Matt Collins of Over the Monster. Uh, Matt, how are you today? Uh, I'm okay. I thought... Are you saying normal, like, most often normal as in we record together normally, or like normal as in like I'm a normal human being with a normal personality? Uh, the, the, the former, certainly okay. not the latter. Yeah. I, well, I heard that as <laughs> the latter when you first said it, I was a little <laughs> offended. And then I realized that that probably wasn't what you were saying. Yeah, no, by, by some, uh, grave mistake by me, I've, I've really partnered myself up with you in inordinate amount of times this off season. So I've been very lucky to be, be around your glowing personality all this time. I know. I mean, I more and more people are saying it. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, oh man. Uh, all right. Well, we do know what episode this is today. Um, after me going in the wayback machine and calling this last one episode 107, uh, we do know that this is the Red Seat episode number 194, and, and we know that uh, extremely loosely. So nobody fact check us, please, on the episode numbers. We have no idea. I have zero faith that it's actually 194. It could be anywhere from 194 to like 230 or like 150. I have no idea. That's Um, fine. But, you know, I'm pretty sure we've done a whole bunch of these. Um, Today on the show, we're going to be doing a little throwback. Uh, We're we're doing a little bit of a freestyle here, and uh, we're going to be talking about potentially the next great Red Sox team, um, why the Red Sox shouldn't be blowing it up, and then we have a whole bunch of listener questions that we're going to get to. and then we'll get you guys out of here because really, I mean, there's not been a lot to talk about. I, I Honestly, Matt, I have no idea how you're keeping up a Red Sox website at this point. Like, what are you doing to, to write these days? Uh, well, this past weekend, I just didn't write. And uh, next weekend, I'm not going to write. And the weekend after that, I'm not going to write. So that's pretty much, this is my favorite time of year. I kind of just coast because it's the holidays. Yeah, and there's nothing going on. There's no no signings. Baseball is quiet these days, so not a lot to report on. But um, what got myself very angry while I was having my coffee this morning was an MLB.com article um, that both Matt and I stumbled across, and I think every Red Sox person who I follow on Twitter uh, posted about this independent of each other this morning. Um, it was seven MLB trade ideas for MLB stars for this offseason. And a bunch of different writers from MLB.com uh, basically put out these trade scenarios. Uh, and each one was pretty much worse than the last one. There was only one trade scenario on there that was even remotely decent, in my opinion. Uh, but the Red Sox one was particularly cringeworthy and not an ideal way to start off my day. So it was Phillies get Xander Bogarts and Austin Bryce for uh, the Phillies number four prospect, Francisco Morales, shortstop Casey Martin, Phillies number eight prospect, and then left-handed pitcher Kyle Dowie 
who is the number 27 prospect uh, with the Phillies. Um, I'm not even going to like really go into how ridiculously bad this You didn't mention is. that the Red Sox are also uh, sending some cash along, too. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, that makes it even worse. Um, th- we're not even going to justify this with like breaking it down. The Phillies have a tremendously bad system, probably a bottom five system in baseball right now. Um, and, and for the Red Sox to be getting that type of a return in this deal for Xander Bogarts is just laughable. Um, so we won't talk about this because it has no basis in reality. But what I do want to talk about, Matt, is just dispelling the notion of the Red Sox need to continue to sell after selling Mookie Betts off. Like to me, that trade, there was so much that went into that trade other than just like the Red Sox were financially strapped and needed to do it. Um, Can you make the argument right now as to why the Red Sox would be really unwise to start unloading some of their better pieces right now? They're, Xander Bogarts, they're Rafael Devers, they're Chris Sale. I mean, even even guys who are having sort of uh, down last couple of years um, or, or last year, I should say, like Benintendi or Eduardo Rodriguez, whose value is much lower after what happened to him this past season. Like, why shouldn't this team sell? Well, I mean, I think I think I mean when it comes to guys like Benintendi, Rodriguez, in I mean, I guess anybody, it's not that they, I don't think it's not that they shouldn't trade them, but they shouldn't, like, they shouldn't be dumping players for, like, prospect packages. Like, if they were to find, we've talked about this a million times, we don't have to go in depth here, but if they can find, like, a Benatendi trade that brings them back a pitcher, I think that's a lot different than um, what you're talking about. But just in terms of them selling, I mean, I think it's, they have a core in the lineup with Bogart, Stevers, Verdugo. Um, I would throw Christian Vasquez in there. I don't know if I'm on an island uh, looking at Christian Vasquez in that light, but I do. And um, all those guys are 30 and younger, so it's not like these are 37-year-old players with two years left. So you have that core group on offense that is extremely hard to replicate. They're all under control for multiple years. Um, From all of our understanding, they have very good relationships with these players so locking them up with a longer term contract especially for a guy like bogarts who can opt out in a couple of years doesn't seem far-fetched um and then on the pitching side i mean they have the resources to fix that i don't have a ton of confidence in them in their pitching right now i don't think anybody does um Rodriguez, I think, can be very good. We've seen it before. Um, Evaldi can be very good for like 20 starts at a time. Chris Sale, hopefully he can come back. But, I mean, they obviously need help there. I like some of their pitchers coming up, but I don't know that I'm counting on them. But they're the Red Sox. I mean, I think that's the biggest argument against rebuilding is, yeah, they have some holes to fill, but instead of just throwing up your hands and giving up, I mean, I think you have to just commit the resources. They're not that far away. They have the lineup. They have some of these pieces already in place it's just about finding the couple of extra ones and you have the cash to go do it yeah that's the biggest thing to me and and i want to go through uh this roster right here and particularly the red sox starters right now so just going around the diamond i completely agree with everything you just said matt um christian vasquez he's under control for this season and he's he's got a club option for 2022 
uh, for seven million bucks, which is basically extremely impossible reasonable. to see that not getting picked up. Yeah, exactly. Like he's a lock right there. Um, first base, I think, is still a question mark at this point, but. With the progress that we've had from Tristan Casas over the last year in, in change uh, at the alternate site and the reports that are coming back about Casas, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Casas comes up at the end of 2021 or is challenging for the everyday job at the beginning of 2022. And if not, you've got Bobby Dahlbeck who's under control until 2026 at that position. So I actually don't think you're in bad shape at first base either. No, I mean, I think... Yeah, I, I've, I've made the case before about Casas maybe coming up by 2021. Um, I think by... I don't know that I would put money on him being the everyday guy by 2022, but, um, I mean, if that's a hole that you need to fill for one year, it's finding somebody at first base is not that difficult. Yeah, and that's like really counting on nothing from from Bobby Dahlbeck too at that point. Like, Which is you, a distinct possibility to be fair, but yeah, yeah, totally. But it's also a distinct possibility that he takes another step forward because um, you know one thing that Bobby Dahlbeck has been really good at is getting to a level, struggling, and then adjusting to that level. Um, so I, I have a little bit more confidence in Dahlbeck than I do say Chavis's ability to adjust. Yeah, I mean the comp that I've thrown out most often for Dahlbeck is Mark Reynolds and I mean Mark Reynolds is a guy that you can live with as a or what he was a guy that you could live with as a starter at first base for a year if you had to I don't think you ever really wanted Mark Reynolds as your long-term plan but if that's who Bobby Dahlbeck is they can live with that for a year and a half or so until Costas is ready if they have to absolutely so I would consider first base in pretty good shape for this organization third best first base prospect in baseball uh, behind Torkelson and Vaughn right there in in, in uh, Casas. So moving on to second base, this is kind of the position that's a little bit of a black hole, uh, a position that we both want them to address in this upcoming. A little bit off- of a black hole is an extremely nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I, I, I'm, giving, uh, I'm giving Christian Arroyo a little bit of credit because he looked decent at the end of the year. A guy who they control through 2024. As we've said many times on here, though, Matt, uh, team control doesn't matter if you're not a good player. So there's a lot of questions with Christian Arroyo. We both want the team to go out and sign somebody there. But even if the team does nothing, by the end of this year or early next year, Jeter Downs is probably going to be ready to take over that position. Yeah, um, I'm not quite as confident about Downs as I am with somebody like Casas, although Casas I think is a special case. I don't think I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not confident in anybody like I am with Casas. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you're looking at long-term problems at this, on this roster, second base is probably near the top of the list, but there is absolutely a chance that Downs could be that guy. Um, and if the, I mean, if, if they don't sign anybody to play second base this year, I will take that as a sign that they are confident in Jeter Downs, um, just because I think that would mean that they think he could be ready by the second half of this year. For what it's worth, as prospect lists have been uh, coming in, and I've seen some positional breakdowns for prospect lists, um, the two guys who are always at the top, either in position one or position two for a second baseman, uh, have been Jeter Downs or Vidal Bruhan from the race. And I've seen both of those names flip-flopped on a bunch of people's different lists. So Yeah, but there's no such... I mean, I don't know. I don't really... 
is second base prospect really that big of a thing? I mean, it sort of feels like a left field prospect to me. Which no, isn't to I, say that those guys aren't good, but I mean, I would, I would group prospects by middle infield, not by second base. Even if you group them by middle infield, though, I think that Jeter Downs is a pretty damn good player. I think he's top ten if we group him by middle infield. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, I am not going to pretend I have any knowledge of minor league systems around baseball. I simply don't. But um, it's just I have a hard time with somebody like Jeter Downs, um, less because of anything with him and more because I haven't seen him play. I have He hasn't played a game in the Red Sox organization, so it's just kind yeah. of a weird situation. Yeah, I, I would say this, though. I think that if two of your biggest holes are first base and second base, having your two best prospects in your system be a first baseman and a second baseman, probably not a bad thing. No. No, that is true. Okay. Uh, moving on to shortstop, a position who I think we both feel the exact same way about. Xander Bogarts, 28 years old, um, you know, still getting better as a player, you could argue, uh, in many different ways. Uh, certainly with the bat, he has definitely looked like he's he's really settled in over the last couple of years as an elite bat there. Uh, we are both fully on board with giving him the you know, the sort of Red Sox lifetime extension here, kind of like, you know, extending him out through, I don't know, I want the dude to retire a Red Sox. I don't know if that'll happen because it rarely happens anymore, but I'm comfortable with the Red Sox uh, signing him to a six or a seven year deal uh, and making sure that he doesn't leave in 2022. Yeah, I am too. The only, in terms of what we're talking about here is, as position by position goes, um, the concern would be where he plays. Um, in terms of like his overall value, I don't care that much if he has to move off shortstop because I don't see his bat slowing down from where it's been the last three years. I think he's going to be that guy for a significant period of time, and that that quality of offense is going to play no matter if he has to move down the defensive spectrum. But as far as like the future of shortstop with the Red Sox goes... I'm relatively high on Bogarts' defense, but I don't think it's ridiculous to think that in a couple of years we might be having a conversation about whether he needs to move to third base or second base or whatever. Yeah, one thing that I've always liked with, with Bogarts, though, even though the numbers have never bore out the fact that he's been an elite defender, um, is just that his body looks pretty much the same as it did when he came in as, like, I don't know, a 20, 21-year-old to me. He doesn't look that different physically. Uh, he, he's kept himself in pretty good shape, it seems like. Yeah, but still, I mean, it gets harder to move as you. I'm about to turn 30. I can, I can vouch. It gets harder. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got four years on you, Matt. So I definitely, uh, I can vouch for that as well. Um, you know, they don't have any huge uh, shortstop prospects coming up in the system, but they do have. That pretty slick young defender, uh, Brainer Bonacci, who we don't know a ton about yet because he really hasn't played that much minor league ball, but apparently he's somebody who looks like he could stick at the position. But overall, I mean, it's hard to imagine a team being healthier at the shortstop position than Xander Bogarts with the Red Sox. Yeah, at least for the next couple of years. I will say I'm a big Matthew Lugo guy. Um, he's one of my personal favorites in the system. Um, I think he's, to me, he's their best shortstop prospect, but, um, yeah, he's, he's far away. So it's not like he's taking the job anytime soon. 
Yeah, he actually was just injured too. He hurt his wrist. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's ball. very serious. That's good. It's good that he avoided a serious injury. Third base. I, I think this is the position that we've talked about maybe the most over the last year because of Devers's up and down performance. Um, but I mean, I still feel rock solid about the idea of Rafael Devers at that position for the next few years, and he's not going to be a free agent until twenty twenty three. It feels like an extension is coming with that guy at some point. I mean, I would certainly hope so. Um, I'm not getting emotionally invested because I've already done that and I've been hurt and I don't want to go down that road again. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really no reason uh, to not think so at this point. Um, as far as longer term with Devers, I feel basically the same way as I feel with Bogarts. I am more optimistic than most i think about devers's defense um i've said before that his mistakes have never really been the kind that i look at him and say he can't play he just isn't like he just makes stupid mistakes sometimes at a certain point you gotta stop that that stops being an excuse and i think next year is probably that point um but i think he can stay there that said i don't think it's ridiculous as with bogarts to think that he might have to move sometime soon and i also don't think that that affects his value all that much because I think Rafael Devers can be one of the elite hitters in baseball and it really doesn't matter where you're playing if you're that guy. I completely agree. I would not switch third base positions with any team in baseball other than maybe maybe Nolan Arenado at this point. And I know you'd probably say Matt Chapman too. Oh, I but, was going to say Matt Chapman. Uh, with his hip thing, it just scares me a little bit more. He had hip labrum surgery this year. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Like, Rafael Devers' bat at 24 years old. Houston, too. Bregman, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But it's Ramirez, one of the best. Good. Third base is a very good position. It but, is. yeah, sorry, Rafael Devers is very good. Uh, taking the outfield kind of as a whole here, um, this has been one of the more interesting positions to look at uh, throughout the offseason. Obviously, the most uncertainty, I think, is in the outfield right now. Um, going into next year with Andrew Benintendi, we don't really know how he's going to perform. He is here through 2022 if the Red Sox want him. Um, Alex Verdugo is here until... Jeez, when is Verdugo here until 2024? 2024. So he's he's got a long time. Uh, and then also Jaron Durant is right on the cusp um, of, of making it up. And then the new acquisition of Hunter Renfro, the thing that we didn't talk about when we talked about his signing here was the fact that, you know, he's got two RBRs too. So they can technically control him uh, through 2023 as long as they keep paying him through arbitration. So, I mean, this outfield, to me, with only Jaron Duran coming up, I think is a little bit... Um, the, the one where I think it's most obvious, where you make a free agent ad here sometime in the near future. But I don't actually feel bad about the fact that if they literally sit on their hands and don't do anything, they will have Benintendi, Verdugo, and Jaron Duran ready for next year. For 2021? For 2022. Like, oh, if yeah. they just did nothing for this year, other than that, they would have those three and Hunter Renfro for 2022, all under contract, if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, that might not necessarily be a good thing. Um, 
Benintendi is still a massive question mark. Uh, Duran, I've loved Duran. I've been one of the high guys on Duran since he was drafted. Um, but I still, I don't think I'm ready to call him the starter for the future. Um, Hunter Renfro, I don't think is an everyday player. Alex Verdugo, I think is good, but he's also had some back problems and he's only 24 and that kind of scares me a little bit. So, I mean, just to take the opposite of what you're saying, there's a lot of ways this outfield group can go wrong if you don't do anything. Yeah, and I think that's the the group that I feel like internally there's nobody to Downs or or Casas's level behind there. I love Duran. I have full confidence in him coming up and being either a left fielder or a center fielder of the future. But that is kind of why I want them to sign somebody this year. Um, because I think that if they, they sign somebody this year, then they can alleviate some of that uncertainty that's going to come up in 2022. Some I of the more uncertainty. I don't see any way Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't make the most sense. If they, I mean, especially if you can get him on a two year deal, which I don't know if that's in the cards or not. I have no idea what his market looks like. But I mean, that just seems too perfect. I th- I, I think they need a center fielder. For just thinking about 2021, um, I I just don't see. If you don't sign a center fielder, then you basically are putting Hunter Renfro in the lineup every day. And I hate that a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am a huge proponent of them signing JBJ to a two-year deal. I think it makes a ton of sense, and especially when. Fast forwarding to 2022, the free agent class there, if you're, you know, kind of thinking that this is going to be the year that you get priced out of JBJ and you kind of just roll with Verdugo in center field for the year, next year there's not a lot of help coming. The free agents there are Ian Desmond, Lori Garcia, Adubel Herrera, Ender Enciarte, Starling Marte, who will be 33 at that time, and Michael Taylor. That is not, that's not what you want. No, that's gross. But I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I center field is not. Remember when the Red Sox had three center fielders? <laughs> Remember that? I do. <laughs> they yeah. now have zero center fielders. Somehow, <laughs> one of those three center fielders is still on the roster, but he is no longer a center fielder. He is. He's very slow now. Uh, unfortunately, that sprint speed has just been going by the wayside. Um. All this is to say, though, for the lineup, I mean, they don't really have to do anything to this roster to have a pretty damn good lineup situation in 2022. And I know that I'm jumping ahead of this year. And the reason why I'm doing that, the reason why I want to visualize that is because I think a lot of people are thinking of 2021 as a year to really assess what we have on the roster. Like we've got guys like Chris Sale coming back from Tommy John Eduardo Rodriguez, and we'll talk about the pitching in, in a few minutes. You know, he's coming back from myocarditis. We have Ben Attendee coming back from his struggles. JD Martinez coming back from his struggles. All that stuff is to say that by 2022, we could have Vasquez, Casas, Downs, Bogarts, Devers, Verdugo, Duran, uh, and, and we could have uh, Andrew Ben Attendee if he rebounds, plus Hunter Renfro and J.D. Martinez, all part of the team, all out in the field for 2022. That's like a damn good lineup right there. Yeah, but I mean, that's baking in a lot of 
good things happening in the next 12 months. For sure. For sure. But that's act- that's like literally just Heimblum doing nothing. That happens. Just sitting on his hands. Well, and is that what the Red Sox do? I mean, this team has so much money. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't feel great. I I just can't think. I can't imagine that it would be a good thing if Downs and Duran and Casas are all in your opening day lineup in twenty twenty two. I don't know, man. I, I, these guys are good. Like Downs, yeah, they could Downs be, but Casas what it, are blue chippers, man. At some point, you got to give that over to those guys. Sure, but I, how how often do three? prospects all work out at the same time coming up at the same time it's just that's not how it works yeah it's it's unlikely but i think that you have a lot of capability here to bake in a little bit of a soft landing for those guys like with the casa situation you have Dalbeck to fall back on so he can take more of the at-bats initially if you need him to we've talked about the fact that that they need to go out and sign a veteran at second base they can ease downs into that transition. And in center field, if they do what we want them to do and sign JBJ, you know, you can start Jaron Duran off in that fourth outfield role until he's ready to take over either left or center. Yeah. I mean, that's totally different than what you're saying. <laughs> you were talking about them sitting on their hands. That was that was my biggest issue. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying, like, the moves that I just outlined right there, like those three things... For the the Casa situation, that takes no effort by by Bloom. That's just a guy who's on your roster. The other two, I mean, that's just go out and sign a veteran and sign a center fielder. That's it's minimal. It's minimal to you to the to the roster at this point to envision a situation that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't think I don't think even the most well, I won't say even the most negative Red Sox fans, those those people are pretty wild but <laughs> I, I i think most people would acknowledge that the lineup is not the issue when talking about the red Sox. all right so let's outline the issue here um and this is why it is such an interesting year 2021 and why i refuse to say that it is a contention year uh it it could become that if everything breaks correctly but the fact of the matter is that sale who is under contract here until 2024 likely won't come back till june july um, and then you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who's entering his final year before free agency, uh, coming back from myocarditis. Nate Eovaldi has two years left on his deal at $17 million. He never stays healthy. You do have Tanner Houck, who looks like a potential future uh, rotation option at this point, who is uh, under control until 2026. Um, how do you assess this rotation moving forward? And if this is the big worry, I mean, isn't this something that the Red Sox can flex their financial might right now or next year to correct? Well, that's part of the issue. I I don't know what next year's class looks like. This year's it's very good. This year's free agent class does nothing for me. No, um, which hurt significantly because they could really use a big splash signing at starting pitcher but i i'm not a trevor bauer guy and beyond that it's just a lot of i mean there's just no slam dunk option um as far as what they have i mean look there's a we've talked about this there is a world 
in which the stars align and these guys can patch together a good rotation. I mean, I think, I think it kind of flew under the radar how good Nathan Avaldi was this summer. Um, obviously he didn't, he was unable to stay healthy and that's the big thing. And that's not something you can just hand wave, but when he's on the mound, he was outstanding in 2020. We know how good he was in 2018. I have, I am a big Avaldi guy as far as when he's healthy. Um, like I said earlier, you can't really count on that for more than 20 starts a year. But again, if we're talking pie in the sky, rosiness, um, Avaldi can be very good. Rodriguez, we saw what he can be in the second half of, 2019 and somehow he seems to be on track for a normal 2021 i don't understand how that is possible but i haven't heard anything to the contrary of that and so i'm not a doctor i can't say that they're lying so i just have to take them at their word um so if he really is back to where he was at least like physically and he's able to throw then i'm fairly confident rodriguez um hauk if I'm being honest, I still have a lot of questions. I'm not totally sold that he's a starter, but you can't argue against the results. Um, and then Sale, I mean, we've seen what Chris Sale can be. Hopefully that surgery corrected what was wrong with him. So, I mean, I think there is a path for them to have four very good starters already on the roster. Um, it just, as we were saying with the position players, it requires a lot going right. But I think there is talent there. It's just, I wish there was somebody on the top of the free agent market this year. That was, I wish Garrett Cole was a free agent this year. I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I wish there was a better solution on the free agent market too. And I, I think that's all valid right there. I, I think like I was saying with the lineup, they could just sit on their hands and, you know, it could potentially really work out quite well uh, heading into 2022. They cannot do that uh, with starting pitching. Um, no, what I said is, not likely. It's much more likely that all of those people I named flame out than all of them pitch extremely well at the same time. Right. And you could you could have a oft-injured or ineffective Eovaldi heading into his final year of his contract in 2022 at $17 million, and for that to look like a, a bit of an albatross at that point, too. You know, like, that that is a concern with him. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be impossible to move, though. I don't even point. think it would be impossible to deal with. It's hard. See, it's hard to talk about anything financial related beyond this year because the C- we have no idea what the CBA is going to be like. We don't know what the luxury tax structures are going to be like, things like that. So I, I have no idea what $17 million to an injured Nathan Valdi would mean. We don't even know if we'll have baseball in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate... It's a legitimate question. I still have a hard time believing we won't, but, um, you know, it's obviously possible. Well, all the reports from the media this offseason have been that the Red Sox are going much harder at pitchers, uh, like they should, uh, than they are at position players. And I think based on what we've talked about tonight, that makes a whole lot of sense. And whether or not that means that the Red Sox do actually get themselves involved in the Sugano sweepstakes, or they sign Jake Odorizzi to prove, prove himself, or Corey Kluber to prove himself. Um, this year is going to be huge for assessing what you have in the rotation and what you've been able to sign in the rotation. 
Um, and how those guys look by the end of the year is going to dictate a lot of what is going to happen headed into the 2022 free agent class. And I feel really good about the lineup heading into 2022 with minimal tweaks. I think that this year is just really about the pitching because if you head into 2022 and you have answers as to what you actually need to address in the starting pitching class, this class is loaded compared to uh, the 2021 class. Here are just some names from the 2022 class that you can go after. Uh, Dylan Bundy, who's been pitching way better as of late. Um, we have Kevin Gosman, who will be a free agent again. Zach Greinke, who will be 38, but is still good. Andrew Haney, Clayton Kershaw, um, Lance Lynn, who at in his mid-30s is still pitching amazing. Uh, Lance McCullers, a 28-year-old free agent who finished super strong last year. Uh, Charlie Morton, who may or may not pitch. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez will be one of those free agents. Max Scherzer at 37. Uh, Marcus Stroman and Noah Syndergaard at 29. And then finally, Justin Verlander, 39, coming off of, of Tommy John surgery. And that's not even to mention a bunch of really interesting mid-level guys. Uh, potentially Kikuchi could be out there, uh, Kwang Hyun Kim, Michael Lorenzen, who's going to be converted to a starter, John Gray, who maybe could benefit from a change of scenery, Zach Davies, who had a nice year last year. That class is is absolutely loaded compared to this year. Yeah. Um, who knows how many of those guys will actually make the free agency, but yeah, that's definitely a better class than what's on the table right now. Like, Kershaw is obviously not making it to free agency. No. He's a Dodger. Yeah. But, I mean, you could imagine a situation where the Red Sox sign a couple of those names. You know, if you bring in a Lance Lynn and a Max Scherzer on big money short deals um, to go behind Chris Sale with that lineup, all of a sudden you're talking about a team that is a World Series contender. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any question that's that's the path they're gonna have to take. I don't think they have the starting pitchers coming up. Um, I mean, Brian Mata I've said before I'm not the biggest Brian Mata guy in the in the world. Connor Siebold, um, I think is solid, but he's a back end guy at best. Um, and then I mean, I'm one of the biggest Noah Song guys in the world. I don't know when he's realistically going to be ready we don't even know he's going to pitch again so yeah i mean it's obviously going to have to come from outside the organization again i just i can't really speak too much to free agency after next season i just have no idea what any of that's going to look like well i agree with you on the fact that it's probably the most uncertain year uh 2022 with the cba expiring and all of those things um to predict right now when I think about the two paths available to the Red Sox, the path where they move on from Xander, they move on from Eovaldi, they move on from, you know, Devers and, and, you know, potentially even see what they can get for Verdugo or Sale, guys that don't fit their their timeline here. Maybe they keep Verdugo in that timeline. I don't know. But that path, to me, just makes so much less sense than the path that we just outlined, where they let this core continue to mature keep their guys, and then fill in the gaps around the pitching. It just seems like for a team with this financial muscle right now, that is the much surer path to contention 
than doing this full wholesale teardown to the studs and hope the prospects work out thing. I, I, I don't think that should ever happen with any team, to be honest with you. Um, I think that's a garbage move done by garbage franchises. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even think it has anything to do with anything beyond the fact that they are an entertainment company who is supposed to be putting a product on the field to entertain me. And if they were to do something like that, that would be uh, pretty much unforgivable and fly in the face of what they are functionally here for. So tanking yeah, tanking in general is something I would just never get behind, even if it made sense baseball-wise. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we do see it around the league. Look at the um, Orioles. Probably, the Orioles are an absolute joke. Yeah, the Orioles are a joke. I think we are about to see that happen in Cleveland uh, to some degree. Uh, I think it happens in franchises where they don't have enough money to go out and supplement. But that should never happen to the Red Sox ever with the I amount don't think of money that would. they have to spend. I think this ownership group for all of – for everything I give them – and I take nothing back for anything I've ever said, but they care a lot about how they are perceived, and I don't think that they would ever sign off for something like that. They're, they need, they know they need to be in contention at least every other year, or at least, or at least trying to be in contention every other year. They can't, you can't survive in this. Boston sports market if you're doing full-scale rebuilds. Unless you're the Patriots. The Patriots could probably survive, but other than that. What year did they take over the team? 2000? So since 2000, their payroll has dipped under top five in the game once. In 2003, it was sixth in the game on opening day, and they ended the year fifth in baseball. The only time that has ever ended, the 40-man has ever ended uh, under, well, actually, no, it never has. It's never ended under, oh, actually once, seventh. Uh, In the year 2000, it was uh, seventh seventh highest ending 40-man payroll. But this has been a top five and more often top three payroll in baseball since this organization has took over. So that's just a tired narrative from people that, like, they don't spend. They spend a shitload. Yeah, I don't. I don't think their problem is necessarily not spending. I think they. I think they have other issues, and they can be a little erratic at times. And I think they are pretty terrible at being a public-facing entity and things like that. But yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't have many doubts that they're going to spend. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I just wanted to kind of dispel the notion that this Red Sox team should be looking to move on from from the studs that they have. I think the next next World Series team for the Red Sox is very likely to have Bogarts and Devers and Sale and, and those types of guys, hopefully. They have the resources to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to some listener questions here. Uh, we have a whole bunch today, so we'll get to all those. Um, Zach has our first question. He says... If you wake up tomorrow and miraculously one of your favorite players in MLB were on the Sox, who would it be? Yeah, so this was this was a weird. This is a little bit of an eye opener for me. Um, I realized today that I don't really have a pitcher that I like absolutely love because obviously, hmm. like that would be the move is just pick your favorite pitcher. But I don't really have. I mean, Jacob Degrom would probably be the closest one, 
but I don't really like, I don't know. I don't really love him. Like I love some position players. Um, Nolan Arenado is my favorite player in baseball, but the Red Sox have Rafael Devers. So I, I, I'm going Ronald Acuna. Hmm. Uh, that is, that is a good choice <laughs> for me. It would be, uh, Ronald Acuna's contemporary counterpart, Juan Soto. Yeah. I knew you were going to say Juan Soto. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a huge Juan Soto fan. I've been on that train for a long time. Um, I think he's like, I think we're going to be talking about him the way we talk about Mike Trout, uh, for a long time. Offensively at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but on the pitching side of things, my two favorite pitchers to watch right now are probably still Max Scherzer and uh, Shane Bieber. I love the way Bieber pitches. Um, I love that he pitches off of his breaking stuff so much and that he doesn't actually need a good fastball to be really good. And then I think from the Dodgers, I love the hell out of Dustin May, even though I know that he's like a big gift machine and, you know, whatever. So Waluigi. Love him. Yeah, Waluigi, that hair, man, it's 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 tough not to look at. I mean, you got to pick a pitcher, Matt. Who do you like? There's there's got to be somebody I said, that you. I said the Grom. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's a damn good choice. I, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. I agree. Oh, okay. I, I think uh, like year to year, he's got the best stop. Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome. All right, moving on to the next question here. That was a fun one, Zach. Uh, Bruins season says, biggest area of need to address this offseason plus possible free agent targets or trade to fill those positions. Um, looking around the diamond, Matt, we've talked about center field and second base as being kind of the biggest ones outside of starting pitcher. Um, JBJ, still your name at center field? Yeah, I mean, even – I mean, I've always been a big – Bradley fan, um, even just like outside of his value on the baseball field, I just think he's an incredible human being and a very fun player to watch. But even like tossing all of that outside, I don't even see another option. Um, I don't think they're going to spend for George Springer. I don't know that I necessarily would spend for George Springer, although um, I probably would. I, I think he's probably moving off center field sometime soon. I so do I too. Don't. That sort of worries me, although I he's sort of like we were talking about with Bogart's endeavors where his bat will play in a corner, it's not that big of a deal. So I mean I guess that would be the option, but I mean if you don't if you're not giving up a draft pick, which I don't think the Red Sox want to do, then it's Jackie Bradley Jr. or then you're going to like Kevin Pilar. Yeah, or Albert Almora or somebody like that. Who yeah, I, I don't even think Almora's uh, if Almora at that point you might as well just not sign anybody. Yeah, at least he's right-handed. That's the only reason he why would, you'd think about him. I mean, if they signed up, I actually think Alvaro could work if you were like if you missed out on everybody else. But I, he would be like a defensive replacement. Yeah, yeah, I think that's not your starter. What about at second base or at starting pitcher? Do you have any favorites over there? Uh, yeah. So starting pitcher, I think I probably keep coming back to Kluber. It just seems to make the most sense. I'm fully in agreement with you there. Um, second base, there are so many options at second base. Um, I've, I don't know why, but Cesar Hernandez has just always been my guy. He is not the best option out there, but man, he is so steady. 
Yeah, Cesar Hernandez is solid. I would be very happy with him. I think the player I would like more than him is Colton Wong, but I think that Wong might get paid too much. Yeah, I think Wong is probably the best non-LeMahieu guy Yeah, at second base. Yeah, I think I'm pretty comfortable saying he's the best. <laughs> yeah. His glove is, is unbelievable. Good. I think the defense gives it to Wong, but Listel is not far off. Yeah. All right. Um, our next question comes from Richard Banks, and he says, I'd quite like to hear your thoughts on who you'd take at number four if the draft was tomorrow. Let's assume that Kumar Rocker and Jordan Lawler are off the board. So we have to take those two off. Uh, Matt, have you looked into this class at all? No, I, I'm passing. Um, I, all right. I have no idea. I know that catcher, uh, Castillo or something, is a guy From that Miami. has been yep. pegged to the Red Sox a lot. But no, I, I will start preparing for the draft in uh, middle of June. All right. Uh, uh, unlike Matt, I have a sickness, so I have been doing this. Um, some names to monitor here. I, I, I definitely have a sickness. I, <laughs> I want to make that clear. <laughs> Uh, Jack Leiter, another right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt, is definitely somebody to monitor. Um, he's fantastic right-hander um, with just incredible control, great curveball. Um, Judd Fabian, maybe the most polished bat out of the draft, uh, outfielder from Florida. Um, Jaden Hill, very interesting right-handed pitcher from Louisiana State, uh, really high-velocity type guy. Um, and then probably the other name that I think makes – well, I'm going to give you two names that make a ton of sense. Uh, Matt McLean uh, from UCLA, who's a shortstop. Uh, he also played outfield this past year because somebody else was playing shortstop. And then Brady House, uh, third baseman from Georgia. Um, not Georgia, the school. He's just from Georgia, uh, who, who seems to have like a pretty damn good bat as well. I think all those names make a ton of sense for the Red Sox. But obviously that is subject to a lot of stuff going on if they're able to have a college baseball season this year which i hope yeah they do. i wonder if i wonder if they will um it's obviously not the money maker that football and basketball are and that's the only reason those are happening um but mlb.com had fabian going to the red sox in there they did a mock draft last week so for whatever that's worth fabian would be a hell of a get they're going to get somebody nasty at that position, as long as we don't see any hijinks about the amount that you're spending. But I don't, I can't see Bloom screwing with that at number four. You're taking. I mean, the best sometimes it's right? worth it. It's. Um, I mean, the Astros is the one I always go back to when they took Correa instead of Buxton, and then they were able to get McCullers because of that too. And Correa mm. obviously ended up being very good as well. I will. Fully be transparent now, I will have a heart attack and I will curse Bloom if he does that. Yeah, I mean, it depends. The, I mean, the, it would be like the Correa one, if I remember correctly. He was still like a top five prospect. It just, yeah. they took him one overall when Buxton was like the Bryce Harper of that class, like the clear 1 1. Looks like that worked out. Yes. Uh, Cody Hudman has our next question. He says, chances the Bo Sox go for Colton Wong as a bridge to Jeter Downs. Can they sign him to a two-year deal and Jeter is ready? Wong would be tradable in his walk year. I mean, I love it, man. <laughs> I think that's realistic, but uh, I don't know if the market will be depressed enough that you can give Colton Wong a two-year deal. I hope it is. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of hope it's not, but I selfishly I hope it is. 
Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't... I personally... While I think Wong is the best, I don't think there's a huge difference between Colton Wong and Tommy Listella and Cesar Hernandez. And um, even if you go down a little, Jerks and Profar, um, Kike Hernandez. I think there's so many of those good two to three win players that somebody's going to be there in the price you want. So while Wong, I think, is at the top of the list, I, I don't think you need to like pull your hair out if they get Profar or either Hernandez or whoever instead. Yeah, I think selfishly, Matt, I want uh, Cesar Hernandez or Colton Wong just because they're more defensive specialists than Tommy LaStella, and I like second-base defense, um, and I miss seeing those types of Pedroia-type plays. So that's that's basically why I want Colton Wong is because I want to see sick plays at, center, uh, at second base. Yeah, it's not unfair. Um, although I don't, I don't know that second base defense matters as much in modern baseball, but just aesthetically, yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Uh, Mike Toomey has our next question. He says, "I have been roundly criticized on the interwebs. Oh, welcome, Matt, and I know about that um, because I think Verdugo is the piece most easily moved for frontline pitching." Uh, would you do Verdugo for Snell and Kiermaier? I think Verdugo is going to be a stud, but getting pitching will have to hurt. What do you think, Matt? Would you do that trade, Verdugo for Snell and Kiermaier? And, and the reason why that might have some semblance in realism is because Kiermaier is making like almost $10 bucks. Yeah, I don't think I would, but I don't think it's ridiculous either. Um, I love Blake Snell. I think Blake Snell is... Phenomenal. I think he's a top tier pitcher in baseball. Um, but he just hasn't thrown the innings that I would need to actually pull the trigger on that. But I don't, I don't think it's a ridiculous offer. If Blake Snell had thrown 200 innings even once, I would probably be a lot more enthusiastic about it. I would do this nonstop. And I think that this is the, the deal that a team like the Red Sox has to make. This flexes your financial muscle. You get a guy who plays the same type of defense as Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field and Kiermaier. Sure, you're overpaying him, but you get a frontline ace in Blake Snell. And I think that a frontline ace is the hardest commodity in baseball to find. Yeah, maybe I'm putting too much stock in the low innings totals from Snell. He's I don't so think nasty. Kevin Kiermaier is very good, um, but... Yeah. Maybe I have to think more about that. I certainly wouldn't like... Like, if this happened in real life, I wouldn't be going nuts calling the Red Sox idiots. I don't... It's just the innings from Snell. The Red Sox have so many problems with innings already. That scares me. But yeah, I mean, in terms of talent, I don't know that there's 10 pitchers I'd rather have than Snell. Yeah, not at all. I, I Mike, I think you're, you're on to something here. I'm a big proponent of it. Um, Christian Vasquez fan club. Is this you, Matt? Is this you? <laughs> it is not. Uh, what, <laughs> it says, what's the status with Jackie? And is anyone else on our radar for the outfield if he doesn't come back? Uh, we kind of talked about those options. I mean, not a lot outside of Springer that's interesting. I think the other one, and I there haven't been any rumors about this. I kind of thought there would be. Um, but if Starling Marte was out there in a trade... I would definitely explore that because I don't think it would cost all that much in terms of prospects. 
since it's only he's only got one year on his deal. Mm. Um, so that would be something that was exciting, but I don't know what the Marlins. I kind of thought the Marlins were going to pick up that option with the eye to trade him, but since I haven't heard any rumors, I might have just miscalculated that. Yeah, I, I would be fine with that, and I don't think it would cost a ton uh, to trade for him at this juncture in his career. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested in that as well. But yeah, outside of him, there's not a lot of very interesting pieces. Last question comes from Floyd, and he says, how many years would you sign JBJ for? I'm going to take this and kind of tweak Floyd's question a little bit because we both talked about how we kind of prefer a two-year deal uh, for him. But what is the most amount of years you'd feel comfortable giving him? Is it two or is it more? Uh, Man, that's tough. I would probably go to three. Only because center, like, there's just no other options, but I would really struggle to go beyond like two with the vesting option or something like that. I would definitely like I wouldn't think about it if there was an option for that third year, but the guarantee I would probably do it. But I don't. Yeah, I would do it because even if you really like Jaron Duran like I do, you can. There's going to be an outfield spot open, whether it's Bradley not working out as well as you'd hoped or Benintendi not recovering or something. The worst case scenario, I guess, would be that everybody is good and you have too many good players and that's fine. Yeah, I would do it too. I would go to three. I wouldn't go past three, but I would feel fine with three. I think that you can always trade a good defensive center fielder too. If if there's like a year left on his deal or something like that and you feel like you need to move on from him, I feel like you can always trade him. And it's not the worst thing in the world to have a nasty defensive replacement outfielder on your bench, especially if you're a good baseball team. No. I will say, though, just coming in hot to end this, I don't think they're going to get Bradley back. I don't either. I don't like it because, as I've said a million times, I don't know what the other option is, but it just feels like his market is big enough that he's gonna go somewhere else he's like peanut butter and jelly right scott uh, forrest man scott forrest uh, i wanna like do shrooms with scott (laughs) forrest just listen to him talk for like six hours we have our title episode i want to do shrooms i I really do that's that is (laughs) that is not the first time i said that sentence for whatever that's worth (laughs) oh man that's good that's a good way to end this podcast right there it's perfect, That's actually. What I'm here for. Um, so uh, we we hope that all of you guys have a great holiday season. Uh, whether that's you know whatever you celebrate, Christmas, whatever, um, have a great holiday, and um, you know make sure you are subscribed to the show if you haven't. Uh, rate and review us. We always do appreciate that. And I'm not sure if we've gotten any new ones. We should check that at some point. Um, subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about it. And then uh, you can follow Matt and I on Twitter, as well as the Over the Monster account. You can follow uh, Matt. He is at the Over Over the Monster account, at Over the Monster. I am at Dev Jake. And uh, Matt, uh, what can people look forward to on the site over the next few weeks? Uh, Honestly, not a whole lot. We're taking it easy through the holidays. We'll have stuff up. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the, this week and next, uh, maybe a little bit beyond that, but uh, for the most part, we uh, we work on the site 365 days a year, so we like to take these two weeks to kind of recharge our batteries a little bit. 
All right, have have some eggnog and hope the Red Sox make some good signings. And if they do, we will be with you here as news breaks for some emergency podcasts. So enjoy the holidays. Thanks for joining us and thanks for your support.